0: Welcome one and all to episode 99 of the NFL Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And uh, Justin, we survived Madison. It was, a, uh, it was a great time. Terrible game. I mean, unless you're a Wisconsin fan. Terrible game. Uh, but it, And really, what was supposed to be a very exciting Saturday of college football ended up being one good game and some just fantastic draft prospect performances. But, uh, but how, how's your week going so far?
1: Week's going well. I've recovered sufficiently from our, our marathon session, watching football and drinking beer in Madison. You know, Seth, I'm, I'm impressed. Guys our age, we are uh, seasoned pacers right now. Like, we, we pace ourselves throughout the day responsibly with water and food. And we were able to make it all through like the entire slate of games. So it was cool. We got to see uh, Ohio State, Michigan State in the early slate, along with some other games off to the side. And then, and of course, Wisconsin and Iowa. And then we capped it off the night uh, watching kind of alternating between Oklahoma, TCU, Notre Dame, and, and Miami. And, of course, uh, the Alabama-Mississippi State game, which actually was pretty close. So it came down to the wire. So I think that's the one good one that you were referring to because a lot of the other ones were blowouts. The Wisconsin fans, they got a big win over Iowa. They go to 10-0 for the first time in the school history, and they turned it over a bunch of times. It still handled Iowa, who just blew out Ohio State two weeks ago, and they were still upset. They were still upset about their quarterback. Uh, Wisconsin fans, God bless them, they were still – uh, they were, they were, don't get me wrong. They were good spirits for the win, but there were, there was definitely a segment of that fan base that was tiny for another quarterback, any other quarterback other than Alex Horneybrook And I told him, you know, flat out left-handed quarterbacks usually suck. <laughs> well, and the other thing is this,
0: they loved Jordan Taylor, the freshman phenom, fantastic running back.
1: Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Jonathan
0: Taylor, sorry, but that dude fumbles all the time.
1: He does. He does, and he's gr- he is a like he's a specimen. He's like over 220 pounds. He runs a four four. But yeah, he it seemed like he fumbled every three carries. So
0: it was a, it was a great time. Uh, we met up with some with some friends, some listeners. We had a we had a good time. But we're back at it today, and uh, the guy that. Has risen up the board more than anybody else at this point, and that's Baker Mayfield, the quarterback from Oklahoma. You and I came into the year with our thoughts on Mayfield, uh, good prospect. We wondered, you know, what his what his ceiling is, where in terms of draft uh, draftability. I think we're still hesitant because of some. He he's going to be an outlier. Let's just let's just start there. Um, from a talent standpoint, I don't think anybody can question his talent. But he's not as big as Russell Wilson. I know people like to say his arm is strong. I I guess I would say his arm's strong enough. Like, I I don't have a problem with his arm. But I I you know, it, it's probably more in the Drew Brees class than it is in a class of like Russell Wilson
1: or. So you or, agree that he's Drew Brees.
0: <laughs> i'm not gonna go that far but that's that's the interesting point it's like that that is what the that is what the issue and it's not an issue but that's what the thing is with with um baker mayfield and that's where hesitation for me always comes in about about these guys that are a little you know that that don't fit the mold so to speak is that one there's no there's no comparisons. Because when you go to Drew Brees, you're talking about one of the, what, 10 best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. So you're you're automatically saying that Baker Mayfield compares to Drew Brees. So he's going to be, you know, a top 12 quarterback of all time. Like, just stop. Even if he's very good, the likelihood that he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback is, is low, even if he's a very good pro. And, and so I think that's what the problem is. is you can't you can't put a comp on on Baker Mayfield. You can't put a high end and a low end because there's no there's no there's no where to go with that because there's no comparisons because the NFL just doesn't like quarterbacks that are built like Baker Mayfield. And and so that's that's what our question is. It's not it's not whether or not he can play. I think you and I both have always agreed that He's a, he's a gamer. He's a guy that, you know, thrives in the big moment. He's got some, you know, Deshaun Watson in him in, in that when it's the biggest game, he shows up the biggest, but my question becomes, you know, one, who takes the chance on him? And two, if things go awry, are they going to give him, are they going to give him the Blaine Gabbert treatment where he's going to get
1: 40 starts on three different teams? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a couple of things. Um, for one, we talked about it in our Big 12 preview. Uh, Tony Pauline, who's always plugged in with the draft scouts, with the NFL scouts, uh, he had Baker Mayfield. He gave him praise. He actually liked his arm, his arm strength and he gave him praising, but he ultimately gave him a fifth round grade coming into the season. So, we talked about it at the time. I think we said, "Yeah, uh, fifth round, maybe that's too low." I, I don't recall exactly what we said, but we were kind of like fourth, fifth round. That sounds about right for the, for a guy like this. As far as what he had done to this point, statistically, it was already off the charts. But we know it's in the Big Twelve. My question tonight, kind of, and, and going forward, who's going to slow him down? They've only got two. They've only got games against Kansas and West Virginia coming up. So I don't think anybody's going to slow him down until he gets into that college football playoff scenario. So maybe at that point he runs into a brick wall. But we know that Oklahoma looked like a couple years ago they got into the college football playoff and they looked overmatched. Now maybe that's some issues with teammates. I don't think that he's always stepped up in the big games. He he struggled against Ohio State in twenty. 20- 16 but against Ohio State in 2017 he looked phenomenal and he's looked phenomenal throughout this whole year if you want to say like what's his roughest game is it maybe it's Iowa State maybe it's Texas but you you don't see a really awful game on his in his portfolio for the 2017 season so I can understand like this guy making a climb in fact he's the type of prospect that does make a climb you you kind of peg him as a mid-round prospect and then He has nothing but success. He even looks improved as a passer throughout this season. So you elevate him a little bit. But, you know, I I still have some questions. Is his arm really that strong? You see the ball flutter sometimes. That might indicate small hands or smallish hands, or it might indicate, you know, some varying arm strength. I've said before that to generate arm strength, he kind of loads up with a windup. You can see that when he delivers the ball. So it, does he have arm strength? We, I, I think we kind of saw a similar throwing from Johnny Manziel, and people questioned his arm strength. Some people liked it. Some people questioned it. So you got kind of the same thing going on with Mayfield. I actually thought that Manziel was a better prospect because he was a more dynamic runner. And you have to remember, when Johnny Manziel came out, he was about two years younger than what Baker Mayfield's going to be when he comes out. And that does make a difference. You know, people say, well, age doesn't matter. Okay, so it's not that age is like the end-all, be-all, but what what you're thinking when you think about age is that if a guy is 21 versus 23, that there's still lots of time for advancement. We look at Baker Mayfield at 21. He was uh, at Oklahoma in his first year at Oklahoma. Certainly wasn't – he was putting up big numbers then but he certainly wasn't as advanced as he is now at uh, 22 going on 23 in his third year at Oklahoma. So that's why people consider the age. It's not that they assume that somebody's going to develop. It's that we've seen guys develop from those ages. The question is, can they develop at the NFL level? So, you know, when a young guy, when an underclassman declares, that's always a question. Is he going to develop at the NFL level? the same way he would have in college. I, I don't know if that's been proven one way or the other. But, again, the, uh, the Mayfield thing, we're going to get a lot of different takes when he gets measured. We're going to find out exactly how tall he is. We're going to find out exactly how big his hands are. And then a lot of these people, some people who said in the offseason that he was, uh, you know, a lot of people that said in the offseason that he is like a poor man's Johnny Manziel that are now saying he's QB1. They're going to have to, you know, maybe reconfigure their takes at that time too because they know if if his hand is nine inches as opposed to we, – we've seen it before, even nine and an eighth, nine and a quarter. Man, the NFL people take that stuff so seriously. So I think Mayfield's been great, man. Uh, I wrote an article for Revenge of the Birds last week. I named two quarterbacks in that article. It was Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. He's impressed me. Is he um, number one overall type of player? I don't think so. So I think people are, you know, giving him due for improving. But I don't think I think they're maybe going a little bit overboard when they talk about him as a potential first overall pick. When you
0: look at this quarterback class, it's something that we've talked about quite a bit, and we'll, we'll get to more of it in our hot take segment, but when you look at this quarterback class, the, the comparisons for Baker Mayfield are pretty cut and dry. You, you've been told Drew Brees. You've been told Johnny Manziel. Like those, those are the two. Um, when it comes to Lamar Jackson, the, uh, the comparisons are kind of all over the place. We've had some people compare him to Randall Cunningham. Um, we've seen some comparisons to RG3. I'm assuming RG3 before the knee injury, but, you know, uh, you never know. Yeah, um, yeah. Michael Vick, uh, our buddy Ian Wharton talked about that one a little bit. Um, Deshaun Watson, we've even heard Johnny Manziel. You know, maybe, maybe not as high of a tier of passers you want, but more than makes up for it with his legs. And, and, oh, by the way, he does a lot really well passing the ball. Um, when you look at all of those, you know, they're, they're all interesting because they're all dynamic players. They're all players that win with their arm and their legs. So I think, I think that's kind of obviously going to be where the comparison spectrum falls for Lamar Jackson. But my question has always been on Lamar Jackson is, are we giving him enough credit as a passer? And you tweeted out something interesting um, to kind of back that up.
1: Right. I uh, I tweeted this on uh, Tuesday night. And basically, Lamar Jackson has improved as a passer each year from freshman to sophomore, now junior year. His completion percentage, I know people like to look at that. That's gone up each year. It's right now hovering right around 60%, and he's generated 110 touchdowns, I think 63 passing, 47 rushing, that he's responsible for in just three seasons. And yet he seems like he's an afterthought in this QB1 discussion. So the guys we named uh, as comparisons, right, I don't think there's a perfect comparison for a guy like Lamar Jackson. He's a very unique player because he's well I I mean he's unique in that th- this kind of guy doesn't come around that often where he's so dominant as a runner and as a passer that he basically carries a team, a team that might otherwise just be yeah. a shell of itself if not for this player. And I think that qualifies here with Lamar Jackson, he's, you know, we we talk uh, we've talked a lot about Josh Allen and how he gets the pass for uh, his supporting cast, uh, or the fact that the team wasn't that good before he got there. And I think Lamar Jackson's kind of in the same category. I mean, he without Lamar Jackson doing what he's doing, I don't know that Louisville is is a very good team at all. So the, this guy is a huge, huge component. He's the, he's the majority of their offense as both a passer and as a runner and when guys have that kind of responsibility on their shoulders this is a power five conference guy we don't see you know correct me if i'm wrong and if you're listening and you think of some people you know tweet us at s cox fb or at afc 2 the number two nfc tweet us and let us know but i can't think of many people who had were responsible for this much of their team's offense still had a pretty successful team and didn't have any success at the college level. You know, RG three, he did get hurt. So his performance, which was one of the great rookie years we've ever seen fell off a cliff after he got hurt. We'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson. I know people are going to give the uh, skinny knees criticism too, to Lamar coming out so his measurements like we talked about with Mayfield those are going to make a difference too but look Vic was not nearly as prolific a passer in college and somebody traded up to draft him number one and he had a successful year or he had a successful career as a passer Randall Cunningham came in as a raw passer ended up being a very good passer by the end of his career and in the meantime was Uh, A unique threat when he was having success so uh, early on in his Philadelphia days. So Manziel, as we've talked about before, he showed those elements of being a playmaker, being a a double-threat quarterback as a pro, and it was obviously derailed by cocaine. As far as we know, Lamar Jackson has no off-the-field issues. So tell me why this guy can't be successful.
0: Well, and I think the reality is he can be. It's just, again, like Baker Mayfield, it's, it's in a different way than what we are used to. It's in a different way than what we have seen. And, uh, you know, when Deontay Lee and I spoke on this show about a month ago, that was one of the concerns we had for Lamar Jackson. It wasn't whether or not he could succeed. It's whether or not he's going to get a chance to succeed. Because is he going to go somewhere like, uh, you know, like Arizona where they're pretty cut and dry and how they like to run their offense? Or is he going to go somewhere like San Francisco? Obviously not now, but San Francisco where, you know, they'll adapt their offense to the talent that they have. Are they, Is he going to go somewhere um, that's in a just a free fall? And, and I'm not taking a shot, but is he going to go somewhere like Cleveland where <laughs> he could walk into – a bad situation with Hugh Jackson or be no, Hugh's not going to be there next year or be the guy that is the last draft pick for this money ball, you know, ideal organization like all of that, all of that plays into what, what happens with Lamar. And so, and so when you combine that with the fact that he's not a traditional drop back passer, he doesn't win in traditional ways. People are, People are going to be hesitant, and, and I understand that. I don't agree with it. You know, give me Lamar Jackson every day of the week, and I'm going to feel great about my chances every Sunday. Like, um, and it. But again, for those that are, are worried, I do understand the concern because you're you you're right. Like, is the NFL smart? No, they're not. Um, it, you know, it's something that we've seen tweeted out a, a lot recently that you know, good teams, teams that are winning are all of a sudden adopting a lot of college offense type of, of mentality and, and they're doing it successfully. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, this, this stuff works. And it's like, oh no, yeah, it's always worked. You guys were just too stubborn to, to try it because it's not the way the NFL does things. So, you know, and that's the other unfortunate thing is that we are beholden to the NFL. So, it's not like we can say oh yeah Lamar Jackson is going to be great and then he goes and flops and be like well he just he never got into the right system so that was why he flopped so you know that's that's the other thing teams don't want to take a chance on on outliers a lot of times because they, they want it's what's the word i'm looking for it's a bigger risk you know the the quarterback drafting a quarterback early is a big enough risk but one of the things that you're not hearing about Cleveland this year, I mean, other than they should have drafted Deshaun Watson, but one of the things you're not hearing is that I can't believe they wasted a pick on Deshaun Kaiser. It's because it was a low-risk pick where they got him. Oh, we're hearing
1: that. We're definitely hearing that from Cleveland fans.
0: Right. You know. But not the rest of the NFL where they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they wasted a pick on this kid. Yeah. Actually, I think a
1: lot of NFL media is weirdly supportive of, of the Cleveland front office. And I don't hate that because I think that the Cleveland front office has made uh, a lot of good picks, uh, mostly on the defensive side of the ball. So they bolster one side and the other side's a work in progress. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the coach, but that's a topic for a different day. But I want to get back to uh, Lamar and say, you know, you're right. There's a lot of teams that wouldn't take a chance on a guy like Lamar Jackson. But the thing is, because he's so dynamic, this is the thing about a prospect like Lamar Jackson and some of these other guys we named who he's been compared to. He's so dynamic. He's been such a great college football player and in a high-profile conference that the team that does take him, whether it be the team that picks him number one overall or maybe trades up at some point to take him, a la how Houston did with Deshaun Watson, that team is, I think, probably more likely to recognize the unique talent they're taking and then tailor some things to him. So if you just put plunk Lamar Jackson on on each of the 32 teams, you're going to have a lot of ill-fitting, you know, matches there. But if he goes to the team that wants him, remember uh, Atlanta traded up. It took Michael Vick number one. When people had some of the same, I don't remember the the whole conversation about Michael Vick, but I do remember that people wondered if he could be an NFL passer. He was the lefty. He didn't he wasn't nearly as prolific as a passer as any of the guys we see coming out of college today, as far as yards and passing. He's such a dynamic runner. So people were kind of like, How how's anybody going to use this guy in the NFL? We're hearing kind of the same arguments with Lamar, except he has been a more prolific passer and he has improved in the pocket. You know, he does struggle a little bit sometimes when he gets facing these better defenses, but you could say that about a lot of guys. And then you start to think about the line he's playing behind. The running backs. He's got Reggie Bonifon, a former quarterback, playing running back. He's got a he's got a couple good receivers. One was hurt, I know, but um we're not quite sure what caliber of receivers those guys are as compared to other programs. But he's again he's carrying this team. I think he's a unique enough guy that people are going to that somebody's going to fall in love with him, and, you know, provided he just doesn't tank all the pre-draft stuff. Somebody's going to fall in love with him, and then he will be a good fit somewhere. So then it's just going to be all these other things, his frame, maybe hand size, maybe he – you know, Louisville's notorious for guys being two inches taller than they really are on the roster and that kind of thing. but. I really I think
0: – And that is a fair concern.
1: Yeah. I mean, Lamar's listed at 6'3", so it comes at at 6'1". Is that a huge – you know, is that does that take him off your board? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't change anything. Not my board, me. but –
0: It doesn't change anything for me, but I definitely right. would understand why somebody would be like,
1: eh, "That's." I think he looks you know, bigger than – you know, he's listed at 213 right now, and I think he could come in at 220 kind of way. Deshaun Watson did. We know Marcus Mariota came in around 214. David Carr came in. Or I mean, Derek Carr, I'm sorry, came in around 214. So it's not like it's not like this guy weighs 175 pounds like the kid at Florida State. But, I mean, I wanted to ask you, Seth, is, it, is the quarterback class growing on you? I know we've kind of been harsh on it. I don't want to di- – we're going to touch on this, like you said, with the hot takes, but is this class growing on you a little bit?
0: I, th- I mean, the only player that I'm intrigued with more than I was is, is Mayfield.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it's necessarily growing on me that much. I still think Darnold's going to go back to school. I think Rosen's been a disappointment. Uh, you've compared Mason Rudolph to Mike Glennon, So, yeah. obviously, he's a $19 million a guy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree. It, does, it hasn't grown on me a ton. Uh, not to say that there's not going to be good quarterbacks that come out of this, but, um, you know, certainly I think we've spoken ad nauseum about Josh Allen. Like, come on.
0: <laughs> well, there is one quarterback that's starting to get some pub, and, and your Cleveland Browns apparently were willing to pull the trigger at the number seven overall pick, in Crystal Pross of CBS Sports' um, newest mock draft.
1: And that was last right. week's, but yeah. Oh, last um, week's. Yeah, Ryan but, I mean, it's still, this is a hot take worthy <laughs> of of this show. Ryan Finley of North Carolina
0: State going not just in the first round, but top seven. Top um, two. Oh, did he go number one overall? He went number
1: two overall. Oh, this, number two. This, because at the time, oh, San, San Francisco was picking number one, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, when you look at that,
0: it doesn't make any sense, one. Um, <laughs> fin, Finley is a nice player. Um, statistically, he's had a very nice year: sixty-three and a half percent completion percentage, just under twenty-seven hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns to only four interceptions. Uh, but all four have come in the last three games, two of which were losses. Um, and, and in his in their win against Boston College this last weekend, um, he was a sterling thirteen for thirty-two. For so to
1: be fair. Uh, this mock came out before that performance, but it
0: it came out after his seventeen for thirty seven performance against Notre Dame. Against Notre Dame, right. so I mean, that's the thing is is I think one of the things that we do here, and and it's not like a be all end all, but if you're a quarterback that's getting touted, if if you're starting to get kind of some run one of the first things that I do is I say, okay, let me go look at how they played against ranked competition and his numbers against Clemson weren't horrible. Um, but he did throw two interceptions, but his numbers against Notre Dame. And then even in, in some of the wins, um, you know, against Pittsburgh. And then, like I said, the Boston college, they were really bad. And that is what gives me pause to start to promote a kid like Ryan uh, Finley. I almost said Ryan Linley. Uh, oh, come on, don't doom
1: this poor kid.
0: They're the same player. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know what? He's gonna get the he's gonna get the tall, white pocket passer treatment that that a lot of a lot of these guys get. That's that's a boost he's gonna get. Um, yeah. I, I told you this, you know, when we talked about it this weekend, when it comes to Finley, he's got another year of eligibility. I know he's going to be 23, but just go back to school, man. Like yeah. don't, don't come out this year. You know what? If you put up a, a season next year that you put up this year, then maybe, maybe so, because, you know, as, as a, as a, tr- as a junior, which was like a red shirt sophomore, um, with North Carolina state last year, he had an okay season, 60% passing just over 3000 yards, 18 touchdowns to eight interceptions. But this year, you know, he's, he's improving on those numbers. It's, it, it's getting better. And and so that's what we talk about, but he's still really crapped himself in the big games. He hasn't looked consistent. Um, when it's all said and done, I think, you know, I think he's a kid that's got some, he's got some stuff that can, that you can work with, but I don't. I mean, I'm not taking him before day three, and we've talked about that. Like, if you're going to take a quarterback on day three, you may not as well draft him and just see if you can pick him up in in the in, in the undrafted free agent bin, because you know there's only a couple Dak Prescotts out there every year. And, and um no offense to Ryan Finley, Dak Prescott, he is not.
1: Yeah, Finley. For, for one thing, I want to know why Finley isn't getting the criticism for being skinny. He's a tall, skinny guy. I think he's listed at 6'4", 215, and he looks very, very thin. He doesn't get the skinny knee treatment. But, uh, you know, Finley's also a fifth-year junior. I think kind of alluded to that. He had an injury that got him an extra year of eligibility, and he was a graduate transfer after just 3 seasons at Boise State. So that's pretty unique. He, he came in last year as a fourth-year sophomore, um, had already graduated and was ready to play right away. So, we can we can deduce that he has pretty high degree of intelligence. I mean, that that's hard to graduate college in that short of a time even if you're not a genius, you know? I mean, I mean even if you are a genius. I mean, <clears throat> so this guy Put it together, he was putting his hard work in on the football field. I think maybe maybe being injured gave him extra time to to knock out a lot of classes, but regardless, he put in a ton of work and he he again he's a transfer. So he I kind of felt like he's like the Nate Peterman of this class. Nate Peterman had been at Tennessee and had transferred to Pitt and had started two years at Pitt. And although by our estimation, start, starting, NFL quarterback.
0: What's that? starting NFL quarterback, Nate Peterman. Oh, yes,
1: Nate Peterman, who's just been promoted to start for the Buffalo Bills, but I think he was a fifth-round pick, right? Yes. So Peterman had uh, been at Pitt for a couple of years. He wasn't putting up big numbers, but he was just kind of not turning it over a lot, and he was hitting some downfield throws off play action and rollouts. So that's kind of what I'm seeing from Finley. Like His predecessor, Jacoby Brissett, wasn't my favorite player in the world, but uh, he's put together a decent, I guess, decent NFL season. I guess better than we thought he probably would. But um, as far as like a physical talent, Brissett was, I think, far superior for Finley. So there's no way Finley is the number two overall pick. Let's just forget about that. Uh, Let's just forget that ever happened,
0: to be honest. But let's – Let's talk about a kid that could be the number two overall pick. And maybe when this is all said and done, he'll be the best player in this draft. That's not okay. a quarterback. And that's Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama.
1: <laughs> you um, don't think
0: he can play quarterback? <laughs> well, I wouldn't put it a pass. Okay. It.
1: So w- the question then is, what is he? is he? This is the big question about Minka Fitzpatrick. What is he? He might be the best player in this draft, like you said, but what is he? Is he a cornerback or a safety?
0: I think with the NFL, you have to, you have to start him out at, at corner, a la Jalen Ramsey. And yeah, and I you, agree. And if you're going to make a comparison to a kid, uh, you know, uh, or compare a kid to Jalen Ramsey, who's, you know, in his second year and is already probably what a top five corner in the NFL. By, by the way, I want to say this we, we complain all the time about cornerbacks coming out. But the last two years, two of the f- probably seven best corners in the NFL have been drafted in Jalen Ramsey and Marcus or Marshawn Lattimore. Um, so, so it's not, it's not awful, guys. Um, uh, there, there's, there's some talent coming out of here. But when you look at Fitzpatrick, he, he fits a similar profile, build wise, athleticism wise. Um, and and, and usage-wise, for his dominant college team, um, he's been a guy that, you know, Fitzpatrick has been a guy that is being asked to play safety. is being asked to play different roles on defense. Yeah, he's, he's played corner.
1: corner. He's played nickel linebacker or dime yeah.
0: linebacker. And, and so he's a guy that you can truly build a defense around. Um, and so for me, that's when, when you look at him, I think you start with him at corner with the idea that you can move him around. Um, but that being said, we're, we're seeing the impact that Jalen Ramsey is having on the the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, obviously getting AJ Bowie and, and Calais Campbell and now Marcel Darius has, has helped that as well. But when, when you're talking about, you know, maybe the best pass defense in the NFL people, it's a copycat league and people are going to give that a chance. And oh, by the way, we said what may happen with uh Obi Melifonwu coming out of Connecticut was that the Raiders may try him at cornerback. And well, lo and behold, um, that's the, the murmurs coming out right now is that they're gonna work him at cornerback after Gary and Connolly went down um, with a season-ending shin injury. Um, That may require surgery. It sounds like he's going to have surgery, but they haven't said for sure yet.
1: With Fitzpatrick, I think you've got to play him. I think he's going to be drafted very, very early in this class. He's probably going to be a top five pick. And if he's a top five pick, he's probably going to play cornerback a la Ramsey, just like you said. I, I think... We even talked about Ramsey, how we liked him as a free safety, but I've kind of seen the light on this and seen the logic on this and seen what a guy like Ramsey can do when you put him at cornerback and he does succeed. And then Jacksonville's got, like you said, they signed AJ Bowie, but they've got back in their secondary Tayshawn Gibson, who struggled in his first year, but he's been okay this year. And then they've got Barry Church. Those guys playing safety for Jacksonville. For one, they were both free agent signings. For two, coming out, Gibson was an undrafted free agent. I think Church was either a seventh-round pick or an undrafted guy as well for Dallas. So, two, they're getting by with not necessarily putting investing a ton, at least in terms of draft capital. I know they signed these guys as free agents, but I think in the NFL world, cash is not as valuable as the draft capital, right? Um, So they're getting by with these guys who were undrafted guys or late-round picks coming out. And, yes, they earned a free agent deal, but we know that teams can cut ties with free agents within a year or two. They're getting by with those two guys because they have excellent cornerback play and because they have an excellent pass rush, too, up front. So that kind of tells you where the value is at the top of drafts. Cornerbacks, cover corners, pass rush. Jacksonville's covering all that ground right now, and I think, like you said, copycat lead. People are going to look at how this team that was struggling is now getting by even without great offense. So a team like Cleveland maybe with two top – it's looking like at this point two top seven, two top six picks. So Fitzpatrick could be a great target with that second first-round pick uh, if he goes, if he does drop out of the top three, I don't know that he will, because again, uh, I don't know how deep this class is, but you know, we'll see there, th- this is so up in the air. There could be, you know, people that fall in love with some of these quarterbacks or whatever, but bottom line is I think Minka Fitzpatrick is going to get the chance to play cornerback first, even if mostly all the draft knicks right now are projecting him at free safety. When it comes to the
0: draft, there's been some other risers this year um, that have kind of really
1: stood out, and and this is we really want to specifically talk about the guys who bolstered their stock just last weekend when we got a chance to to watch them,
0: and and the first one is a guy we you know we got to go see up in Wisconsin, Leon Jacobs of Wisconsin. Um, our buddy Owen was telling us, you know, about about him and the fact that he's a, you know, he's he's a guy that has overcome some some injuries and he's he's kind of just a, a freak of nature in terms of athletic ability and, and what he does. And this weekend, um, he had a sack, a tackle for loss, and um, a pretty a pretty nifty fumble return for a touchdown where he had the wherewithal to not let his knee go down and pick it up and take off running. So,
1: yeah. And it was fantastic. He actually had his knee on the ground, but before picking up the ball, he made sure that his knee came up off the ground, then scooped the ball, then ran it in for, I think a 21 yard fumble return touchdown. It was a very, very athletic play. To be honest with you, Seth, I didn't know anything about Leon Jacobs until our buddy Owen Reese at Reese Draft told us to check out this guy, and then the game starts. It turns out uh, Jacobs has now eight-and-a-half tackles for loss for the season, so he's been an impact player for that Badger defense, even though he's a fifth-year senior and the first four seasons were pretty low impact. But he made his mark on – this game against an Iowa team that had just came off a dominating victory over Ohio State.
0: The next guy on our list
1: is—it's uh, an Ohio State guy because yeah, of course, Homer. The, no, you know we're keeping up with the drinking game. Just because we don't do a show every week now, we still are. You know, we still like to give you listeners the opportunity to get drunk while listening to the show.
0: Right. When we get we we may or may not drink during the show and. Um, you know, we want you to join us, but Mike Weber had uh, clearly his best game of the season and maybe, maybe the best game of his career in, in the Ohio state, just throttling a Michigan state. One of many, many disappointing games this weekend, by the way,
1: Um, (laughs) not for me, I actually, if you watch the YouTube video of this show, which I don't ever recommend, but, I am wearing my Ohio State hat with pride again this week after uh, bearing it with shame last week. But let me tell you about Mike Weber, okay? So he rushed nine times, 162 yards and two touchdowns. He's been on the shelf early on the season because he had a hamstring injury. And Urban Meyer's been trying to get him going all year. He's been splitting carries, of course, with J.K. Dobbins. And then J- J.T. Barrett gets a lot of running opportunities every game as well. So, Weber's just kind of been on ice. There have been some speculation that he might even transfer after the season. I don't really think that's going to happen. But one of the things I thought was interesting is in the spring, Ohio State posted that Mike Weber ran a four three five, and I thought that was crazy because, of course, Ohio State spring times are always exaggerated. They're kind of famous for exaggerating their forty times, like Louisville is famous for exaggerating height. But 4-3-5, I still thought, well, maybe that means Weber runs a 4-4-5. Let's say it's a tenth of a second exaggeration. This is the first time I've ever seen Mike Weber where I thought, dang, maybe he really is a 4-4 guy. We saw him running away from Michigan State defensive backs. It wasn't even close. He had an 82-yard touchdown and another long touchdown run uh, within the 50-yard line. But – He was running away. I mean, I've never seen so much speed. The hamstring looks healthy. Mike Weber, redshirt sophomore. At this point, I would expect that he'll be back at Ohio State next year, but you never know.
0: One guy that we've been waiting for patiently, impatiently, everything, uh, waiting to kind of bust out, and it's not his fault. Um, I think that's probably the most important thing to, to get right off the bat. It's not his fault. But we've been waiting on Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley teased everyone as a 20, 21-year-old 20, freshman. And now, as a senior, he's kind of finally picking up where he left off. And I joked with you he's on... A, he's a junior. Oh, just junior, yeah, sorry. Right. And I joked with you on Saturday, but it, it really wasn't a joke. And, and this isn't a shot at Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a fantastic college quarterback, w- just a wonderful player. But he has regressed since he lost the best passing quarterback he's played with in Jake Coker. And and that wasn't really – I mean, it's a joke, but it's not really a joke.
1: It's a, yeah, I, I remember laughing and then saying, you know what, that's probably true. Because it, it's one of those
0: things where, you know – Hertz game is not putting the ball down the field. He, he's getting really good at it, by the way. Like, he, when you're talking about prospects improving year to year, Jalen Hurts has improved from year one to year two um, in, in leaps and bounds. But uh, it, it's still not his forte. It's still not his strength. And yet we're seeing Ridley kind of re-emerge onto the scene as maybe, maybe the best wide receiver in college football. Um, and, and there was a play in the Mississippi state game where he got the ball coming across the middle on a, a on a, sh, you know, sh, kind of shallow medium crosser. And he had one guy, uh, between him and, and, a big play. And he made a move that not many guys make. And, and I, I looked at you and I said, he's gonna end up being more similar. And, and I'm not saying that he's going to be this good, but he's going to be more similar to like an Odell Beckham where you never really got to see the full display of what he could do um, as a pass catcher because he went to Alabama and he had to pass block and he had to catch a lot of short passes and, and run seven yards, you know, on extended, you know, basically run plays. Um, And so when he gets to the NFL, if he gets to a team that has a quarterback that can push the ball uh, vertically, I think you're going to see this kid be able to do something special.
1: Yeah, so the knock on Ridley might be the same knock that we heard about Odell Beckham Jr. I think his junior year, he scored seven touchdowns, and there was a lot of, from the uh, the analytics slash fantasy football community, there was some, he was taking some heat for not scoring a lot of touchdowns, and Ridley only has two this year. But the thing is, after, uh, what, five catches, 171 yards, it was the second highest total of his career in terms of, of receiving yards. The most explosive in terms of yards per catch game that he's had in his career. He looked fast. He looked every bit of the rumored four, three, five, or maybe even faster guy that we've heard about. He's going to be 23 as a rookie if he comes out this year. He's going to be 23 as a rookie next year, turning 24 late in his rookie year. So the age has always come up with him. Um, When a guy's on the older side, the question is, has he plateaued? Well, look at Ridley. Like you said, he had a huge season as a freshman where he was 20 and turned 21 late in that year. This year he's averaging 15.4 yards per catch. That's the highest total of his career. Over 15 yards per catch suggests an explosive player we've – Heard, again, that he runs a 4-3, 4-3-5 from Alabama spring practices. Again, that's kind of like Ohio State. There might be some exaggeration there. But say he runs a 4-4-1, 4-4-3. That's still a fast guy making explosive plays. Yes, the passing touchdowns aren't there. Like you said, Alabama is geared toward running. They've got Scarborough. They've got Harris. They've got Hertz, all that can run the ball in short yardage. So when Alabama receivers are scoring, it's usually a big play, long touchdowns. We saw that um, Ridley made a catch for a very long catch and run, like the play that you described, that didn't result in a touchdown. But it doesn't mean it wasn't a key play in that game. Again, that was a close game. So Ridley's a player who I think – you know. I've I've talked about Cortland Sutton. I've talked about James Washington as maybe the top two receivers in this draft. But Ridley's a guy that's going to jump into that mix if he runs that that speedy forty time because he's like six foot six one, hundred ninety pounds. So we've talked about this in the past. A guy like that's got to run fast. We liked Will Fuller because he did that. So if Ridley does that, he's going to get into that category, I think. So I, I like what he's done this year. He's having, in my opinion, Ridley's having the best year of his college career with, like you said, not his best quarterback and not a ton of touchdowns. But I think this is – we wanted to see more out of Cal, Calvin Ridley as an explosive playmaker, and I think we got a really good glimpse of that on Saturday.
0: When you look at the kind of landscape of college football right now, <clears throat> There's been one guy in the last two games that has put his name in just big bright lights of being, you know, kind of the hey, go back and look at me guy. Um, and it and it's one of those things that's kind of hard to do, but I I can honestly say from a power five conference against two ranked opponents. I have never seen a cornerback post the numbers that Josh Jackson has the Iowa cornerback the last two
1: weeks against Ohio state and Wisconsin. Have you No, Josh Jackson has he he's been ridiculous last two weeks. He's been a good player. All season long. He had one interception early in the season against Josh Allen. He came into the year. He's a redshirt junior. And uh, he was a player that had earmarked to watch this year, especially because I was at Iowa's first game against, against Josh Allen in Wyoming. So he gets an interception that game. I was like, okay, you know, let's keep an eye on this guy. I think he had something like 14 pass breakups over the next several games. And then he gets to Ohio State, and he has three interceptions, including one ridiculous catch that was an Odell Beckham Jr.-esque catch, one-handed, full extension near the goal line to steal the ball, Um, one of four picks that JT Barrett threw in that game. Josh Jackson had three of them. This weekend, he almost one-ups himself by getting two more interceptions and returning them both for touchdowns. So in two weeks, he's had five picks, two pick sixes in that mix. He's got seven interceptions on the season. This past weekend, not only did he have the two interception return for touchdowns, but he also forced a fumble. This player's got to be, you know, I don't know how they do college awards. A lot of times they kind of set those earlier than, you know, we're seeing this guy do this in November. So maybe some people have already cast their vote. It's kind of screwed up the way they do college award voting, but he should be a Thorpe Award contender. The thing is, this is going to come up if Josh Jackson declares, and he might not. Remember Desmond King had eight interceptions as a junior, ended up going back to school, and we said probably because he's a four-six guy, and he ended up being a four-six, high four-five guy. Josh Jackson might be in that same boat. He might be a player that runs a high four-five, four-six and all these interceptions, uh, you know, great production, no doubt. But maybe the uh, NFL establishment's just not too keen on corners that run that slow. It's noteworthy, I think, that Josh Jackson height weight hasn't changed much since high school. He ran a 4.9 back then. So the question's going to be about this, this guy's speed. If he runs a good time, he's definitely put himself on the map because he's been, he's been fantastic this year. All year long, teams have been going at him, and he's just been making plays on the ball. I love corners in college that put up big interception and big pass breakup numbers. You see a lot of success at the pro level that, that corresponds to that kind of thing. So, um, But he's got to be fast because we know NFL corners have to be fast.
0: When you look at this weekend, the games are – the complete opposite of, on paper, <laughs> what we had last
1: weekend. I want to know what is going. This is week twelve, okay? Why? Why is Mercer on the road at Alabama, and the Citadel is on the road at Clemson? Like, what? What the heck's going on? This This is a week twelve game. The, yeah, I've seen people. I've seen people give teams guff for scheduling cupcakes early in the season, but. I know this is a tradition for Alabama. They usually play, like, Georgia, West Georgia or something in Week 12. Has Clemson always done that, too? This is kind of garbage. If you have a chance to um, take your family out to, uh, you know, do some Christmas shopping or see some, you know, maybe do some holiday activity, this is probably a good weekend, right?
0: Absolutely. It has to be. At least early on. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be uh I'll be at my boys' football games, so uh like I I am anytime I'm back home.
1: So um, I won't be watching Alabama Mercer this week. So we did earmark two games though. We, we did, did earmark two games that are legit. I mean, I'll be watching Ohio State. They're at home hosting Illinois. Thirty nine and a half point let's, favorites let's, last time I saw.
0: Forty no, I think it's up to forty one and a half, and let's be honest. Uh, Mercer,
1: Alabama is a better game than, than <laughs> State. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to watch that game. But, uh, you know, let's talk about the two games that are really worth watching.
0: And, and I don't even know if these are worth watching, but they're worth watching for the prospects. The first one is Nebraska at Penn State. And the question has become, who is Saquon Barkley? And after you came on this very show, <laughs> the first one we did in weeks and proclaimed Barkley may be worthy of the number one pick. That guy has gone completely in the tank. This is 100% on you at this point. <laughs> I have jinxed him, haven't I? Of, of a complete jinx. But honestly, like when you look at what he has done the last couple of games, you look at it and you say a 2.9 yards per carry average in two losses, nonetheless and a 3.8 yards per touch in the last three games. So two losses. He's averaging under four yards per touch. So not just four yards per run, four yards per touch of the football.
1: And that's from scrimmage. It, let's be clear. Cause he did have that 97 right. touchdown. Not or about his kickoff return, record. but yeah. this is what, what. And let's, the question we let's have. say who that was. That was against Ohio state. And that was against, um, uh shoot, I, the second the other team uh, in the middle there's, but Rutgers was in there too. That yeah. was this past weekend.
0: And so when you look at Michigan State was the other one, correct?
1: Uh yeah, I I I yeah. can't. Yeah, I'm not re, I'm not remembering that one.
0: But uh, when you look at when you look at Barkley, there have been people that have wondered if he is the best running back. And and we're not saying that he's not maybe the best all-around player, but I think this is this goes back to the case of identifying Ezekiel Elliott versus, you know, David Johnson for instance. Cardinals fans get upset when I say things like Ezekiel Elliott is a better pure running back. Than David Johnson. And and it's not that David Johnson's not a good running back, but Elliot, and, and we've talked about this with Emory Hunt. Elliot has a natural way that he runs. Kareem Hunt has a very natural way that he runs. It's not, it's not um it, it's different than when you watch guys like David Johnson run, even like a LaShawn McCoy, for instance. Um, You know, Shady has built his career on being able to stop and start better than anybody else in the league. Um, Zeke Zeke just understands how to run behind a line and and take what's given to him and then, you know, continue to kind of fall forward before breaking a big run. Uh, Too often you see David Johnson trying to make a big play when three yards would have sufficed. And I think we can say the same thing about Saquon Barkley. Now, he doesn't run behind a good offensive line. Let's get that out of the way right up front. He he does not run behind a good offensive line. But you would expect more from a guy that was not only being billed as the the Heisman Trophy winner, not a candidate, the Heisman Trophy winner um, three weeks ago before that Ohio State game. And, And obviously, you would expect more from the guy that's being talked about as being the first overall pick in the 2018 NFL draft.
1: Right. And the first running back that, that would be presumably taken number one overall since Kajana Carter in 1995. So you're talking over 20 years, right? Um, That was, by the way, that was Michigan state sandwiched in there between the Ohio state and Rutgers game. So three games, Ohio state, Michigan state Rutgers, You're talking about 2.9 yards per carry and then um, the 3.8 yards per touch from scrimmage, which throws in the receptions. And keep in mind, too, that he had a long touchdown run against Ohio State. Uh, That was, I think, 36 yards. And then against Rutgers, he had minus three yards rushing at halftime and then had a big run after halftime that bolstered that rushing total. So we've seen people go to war for Saquon Barkley. A kind of a la we've seen them do that in the past for some of these quarterback prospects like Teddy Bridgewater, Jared Goff, after somebody has a bad game, Um, like when Goff threw five interceptions against Utah and people rationalized four of those as not being his fault. I mean, this kind of stuff's silly. The bottom line is Saquon Barkley, we watched this game together, Saquon Barkley against Ohio State a few weeks ago. And what happened is he's playing this fast defensive line. He's playing this very good defensive line, and they're getting great penetration. And he's turning one-yard losses or zero-yard gains into six-yard losses because he's trying to reverse field and change directions and take the ball, uh, you know, around the corner when he just has no business doing that. Like you said with Ezekiel Elliott, or even somebody who uh, you know, even a lesser prospect like. A Terrell, like, a, like a Kareem Hunt or like a Carlos Hyde a few years back. These guys that made a living just falling forward on contact and just getting what they could get. You know, instead he's doing kind of the Melvin Gordon thing or the Trent Richards, Richardson thing where he's willing to try and dance. And if you're facing that fast NFL caliber defensive line, it's going to end up bad for you. And that's what happened with Ohio State in the second half. When they tried to run, he was trying to basically act like one of these mobile quarterbacks that kind of scrambles out of trouble, retreats under pressure, and is able to do it because it's college ball. Not so much when you're a running back and you're already close to the line of scrimmage. It was a bad, bad choices from him. doesn't mean I think he stinks. I think he's still a great player. I think Saquon Barkley is still a first-round caliber player in this class but we do uh now we have and we'll talk about this in a second when we do hot takes but we do have some conversation about whether or not he is uh you know could he potentially not only not be at the top pick but could he potentially not be the top running back in this class and there are people out there that think he isn't so, uh, before we get to that, though, there is a huge rivalry game this week.
0: Actually, actually, get to that take, and then we'll uh, we'll introduce the huge rivalry game with our with our second battle. All right, perfect. Hot so,
1: <laughs> so our take comes from uh, our our follower um, Preston at pl the king on Twitter, and um, you know Preston's a good guy. He and I interact a lot on Twitter, but. He said that – he actually told me that Darius Geis, the running back from LSU, is better than Saquon Barkley. Is that a hot take?
0: This kind of goes back to what I was talking about. If you're asking me who's the better football player, I think Saquon Barkley is. But I'm not completely convinced that Barkley is a better running back in terms of running the football running back than the Darius guys.
1: So let's say, let's say Barkley is David Johnson and Geis is Zeke. Who would you rather have?
0: Well, David Johnson, no, I was kidding.
1: Take your team out of the equation. Man. I've, I've said all along, I think
0: Zeke is, you know, the best running back prospect I've ever seen. And, and so that's, that's how I would go with that. I don't think Geis is on
1: Zeke's level. Um, I don't either. I mean, I I even, have I ever seen guys even pass protect? I don't, or he barely catches any balls either. So, so like
0: when you look at when you look at this, the question becomes: You know, are you okay getting a guy that's going? You know, that may average. Because here's the thing about David Johnson, and and I, I, you know, I'm a Cardinals fan. I I love the pick from the start. I still love the pick. Um, it, I you know I wouldn't trade David Johnson for anybody in the NFL, but David Johnson in his massive year in 2016, where he was an all pro averaged 4.2 yards per carry in his rookie year, where he was kind of a weapon more than a guy that ran the ball a bunch. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry. So we're not, you know, exactly talking about a guy that's been, In in rare air in terms in in terms of his yards per carry average. Now Zeke's average was down to four point one this year, and and I think I think a lot of that had to do with um, he
1: he didn't. Well, from Twitter uh, from Twitter. Chips, he or from like screenshots, he was fat, right? Right, he was fat coming into the season. <laughs> um, I,
0: you know, I think just a lot of it had to do with I. I don't think he expected to be able to play. But,
1: but the, like, the other thing is like four point one or four point two. When we're talking about NFL, that's actually not bad.
0: No, it's not bad. But that's what I'm saying is like when you look at when you look at like leading rushers every season, and, and you're talking about like best, you know, mm-hmm. best running backs. Usually you see guys that are averaging
1: a little bit more. Um, I, think, I think you're right, but I also think that those guys get – like they get volume carries. Like look, look at Le'Veon Bell where we could say, you know, he, he's got kind of a low yards per carry too. But when you're talking about – and that's what what's, I think sets guys like Johnson, guys like Le'Veon Bell apart is they're getting such a high volume of the offense – And so could you take a guy like Barkley and give him that high volume of an offense? And if he averages 3.9 to carry, then is that, that, is that, is that terrible? I don't think it is. No, but I mean, he's taking a beating he's 230 pounds. So he compares favorably to those guys. But what we're not saying is that those guys went in the second round and the the third third round. round, Right. Well, and the thing is with
0: like Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, he's, he's, struggling and I use that term very loosely this year at 3.8 yards per carry kind of like has what, he been worked to death yeah kind of like what you're saying but you know it, in his first couple of years when he was uh, a pro bowler and all-pro he was 4.7 4.9 4.9 so you know he's a guy that that has uh you know I don't I don't think he's as natural of a runner as as Le'Veon. I think I think the
1: comparison is David Johnson. And so but remember the knock on Bell coming out was, was that he was yeah. a big guy that danced. Yeah. And so we're kind of seeing the same kind of thing. Maybe we're wising up and we're we're willing to say like, okay, Barclay's a big guy that that dances, but he also he's he's gonna be a lot faster than Le'Veon Bell was coming out too. We should right. say that. So he's gonna be closer to what David Johnson was. And they, and he's not coming from northern Iowa. He's coming from Penn State. So, we, we're probably, you know, in my mind, I'm still comfortable saying is a first-round pick.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing. But I can obviously, see.
1: It. Obviously, but hindsight, people... you're going to take David Johnson
0: in round one. It's not to say that he's not going to be a very good, even great player in the NFL. It's not saying that at all. Yeah. What. what my point is is that you, if you're drafting Saquon Barkley, you're, you're drafting him not because he's the best running back. It's because he's the best all-around running back. And right, right. all-purpose, all all-purpose Yeah, yeah. He, he affects the game in all three phases, special teams, pass catching, and, and running
1: the ball. Even though no team's going to have the courage to play him on special teams. I bet you they will early.
0: Okay, Bobby, maybe, maybe if David they
1: have first like first couple games and then and then like when, if you have Jeremy Hill <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly so, but yeah, I and that's the thing, I still think Saquon Barkley is one of the best players in this class. I think he's a special player, but I, I don't think that this kid is without criticism or without holes in his game. No, he's not that that could lead to you going, Wow, he's not this all pro that I expected him to be. And I think what it is, is his running style. Now, maybe again, maybe his running style is partially because their offensive line is atrocious in run
1: blocking. So, well, when he's going good, nobody talks about that though. Nobody talks about Trace McSorley sucks or they have no receivers or their line sucks when he's going good, when he's going bad, then all of a sudden everybody around him sucks and he becomes Teddy Bridgewater. And and that's my that's my thing, man. Like I love I, I like Saint Quan Barkley. I think he might be the best player in this class. But then he has a bad game against Ohio State. And people say, look, he played poorly. He he retreated when defensive lineman got penetration. He didn't make good choices with the ball. And all of a sudden you've got a bunch of draft picks scoffing at you for even questioning him oh, my God, uh, you know, oh, how could you even question this guy's greatness? Look, look, he played, like, crap, that game. Well, and, and it was his fault. A lot of it was his fault.
0: And here's the other thing, too. Those same guys were telling us five weeks ago that this was the greatest running back prospect ever, that he right. was. The best he was better than Ezekiel
1: Alley. It was better than – yeah,
0: exactly. This was the best running back prospect since Bo Jackson. <laughs> By the way, most of those people weren't even alive when Bo I don't Jack- remember Bo
1: Jackson. I'm older than a lot of those guys.
0: But but nonetheless, that was, you know, that was what we were getting. So this isn't this isn't us beating the drum for the opposite. We've stated on here many times. Like if you're the Cleveland Browns and you're saying, okay, I can't gamble on Mayfield or Jackson because I'm dumb like we are every year. Well then that's <laughs> fine. Take the take the best player, you know, the best non-quarterback in the draft and take Saquon Barkley. Just I like think you what we're saying Barkley. is there's
1: not a clear best number one player right now. Because right. You just I mean, heard us if you've listened to this whole show by now, which we're dragging out, but we've talked <laughs> about Lamar Jackson possibly being the top player, Baker Mayfield, maybe the top player. Maybe it's Saquon Barkley, or maybe it's maybe Saquon Barkley's not even the best running back. But you know, I think it's silly. I think it's silly, not only silly, but also just kind of douchey to go on there and, and when uh, somebody has a legitimate question about a guy like Saquon Barkley, as good as he is, and to just scoff at them and like quote, quote tweet them and be like, oh, how could you possibly, you know, sip in your wine and be like, how could you possibly? possibly have questions about the top player in the draft give me a break (laughs) man everybody's got questions in this draft
0: speaking of which the final game and this will kind of end the show with a list of hot takes that justin is just ready to get off here (laughs) Um, we, we have a big rivalry game ucla at usc Number one versus number two quarterback prospect heading into this year.
1: Finally, some uh, football that LA can care about.
0: Right. Well, yeah, they don't care about the best offensive team in the NFL, the Los Angeles Rams. So, the what? Um, I yeah, yeah. St. Louis. Jesus. So, when you look at when you look at this game, obviously the headliners are going to be Sam Darnold and and Josh Rosen. But another guy that I think deserves to have his name thrown in the hat of. This guy's a really damn good running back is Ronald Jones of USC. We've heard the Jamal Charles comparisons. This guy's a freak when he gets the ball in his hands, averaging on the season nearly eight yards per carry. Seven point nine yards
1: per carry. That's game. actually just the last three games. Oh, sorry, sorry, the last three games.
0: Yeah. And so he's when over
1: he six though, career, career best over six, I think six point three yards per carry. And so, when you look at when you look at
0: this game, Rosen and Darnold are going to get the headlines, but for my money, the best player on that field that night might be Ronald Jones.
1: I think I think you might be onto something. I mean, Ronald Jones has been so good. He's he's set a career high in touchdowns already—14 rushing touchdowns—and um, the last three games. Granted, they played. ASU, and Arizona. Hey, and apparently last week,
0: ASU was good for like four weeks in a row where they upset a number of ranked Didn't ASU teams. beat
1: uh, Josh Rosen?
0: Yeah, and now okay. they – no, they lost to him
1: last week, didn't they? I mean, oh, I you know, I don't even remember. But, you know, the important thing is <laughs> that Jones has put together 552 yards, Arizona State, Arizona – Colorado he's feasted on those teams 552 yards as you said almost eight yards a carry six touchdowns in three games and he's really the kind of what makes that offense run and Darnold I think has settled down a little bit over the last couple games he's turning the ball over less I'd have to check with our buddy Ian Morton at NFL Film Study he's charting all the games but he said that at, at one point, a couple of weeks ago, Darnold had already had 13 dropped interceptions. That's in addition to what has amounted to about a two-to-one interception, touchdown-to-interception ratio this season. So, yes, the quarterbacks are the headliners. Yes, I agree with you that Ronald Jones actually has potential to be in that conversation for top 40, top 50 player. And especially if he runs the forty time that we expect, which is going to be in the low four fours, and I think teams are going to look for him. You mentioned the Jamal, the Jamal Charles con, uh, comparisons because he was listed at six feet one ninety five. He looks over two hundred at this point to me. If he's over two hundred and runs a four four in the low four fours, I think he's in contention for maybe even a late first round pick. So when you look at this
0: quarterback controversy or or comparison or whatever the hell you want to call it between Darnold and and Rosen, I think the majority of people would say Darnold's been better. But when you put it side by side, that's really not the case. And the reason that Rosen is kind of getting, getting pushed aside this year it's, uh, you know, twofold. One, his team is awful. Four losses already this year. Um, they're, they're a win. They're bowl eligible. But they have four losses this year, that's, that's not good. But this guy has thrown 21 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Um, Sam Darnold has thrown 24 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. And, you know, quite frankly, just plays on a better team.
1: But Donald's also fumbled a ton, ton of times. So, right. But yeah, he, you're right. Plays on a better team. But
0: that doesn't stop the NFL from providing us with fantastic and in-depth analysis that you cannot get anywhere else. I mean, literally, it's the minds of, of people that, you know, we just, we just will never reach a status of.
1: Yeah, it's easy to see why the NFL dismisses analytics, advanced analytics, because they're so – you know, NFL executives are so savvy. And i have got a great example of this because – So Daniel Jeremiah – tweeted out
0: or wrote an article where he asked five executives. Now, based on the answers, I'm assuming they're like account executives for involved teams. <laughs> oh, uh,
1: no. These must be the general managers because oh, okay. the, the, the takes, the genius behind these, I mean, it's it's irrefutable. So why, why don't you go
0: ahead? Because you, uh, you tweeted this out. You highlighted them. Um, it, it, it's really just fantastic theater.
1: Yeah, Je- Daniel Jeremiah, each week, he talks to, I guess, five executives about uh, a, pr- a certain prospect or prospects and gets their take on it. And just, to, you know, please, you know, don't credit us. Credit the guys who come up with this genius. These are NFL executives. These are the people who presumably have you know, all, just all the knowledge and wisdom that we lack. As lay people in this industry executive one the question was who would you take Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold well executive one says both are talented passers, both are tough Rosen's tougher than he's giving credit for he goes on to say Darnold has more ability to make a crazy improbable kind of play than Josh while still being a highly skilled passer well you know, if you want to bet on the guy who can make the crazy, improbable play, Darnold's your guy. And then Executive 2 says he'd go with Darnold too. He's stronger. He's a better athlete. He's got better mobility. He's a better playmaker with his arms and his legs, Seth. And most importantly, he has more of the it factor. So Darnold, more of the it now, factor.
0: when – when PFT commenter wrote this, <laughs> this was he, not PFT commenter. Oh, it's, it wasn't. Oh, no. see, I thought I thought Jeremiah. You might have thought it was. I thought Jeremiah just took out the gr and
1: took out <laughs> grit fact. Well, wait, well, don't don't get ahead of ourselves. Oh. Executive <laughs> three says he would take Darnold too. He says he's likely a better natural talent. So I'm sorry, he says Rosen's likely a better natural talent. But Sam just has that it factor. Don't so go with talent. Go with it. Go with the it factor, which he goes on to say that can be so hard to find and quantify. <laughs> so don't go with the talent, which is already generic. But don't go, go with, with the, with the factor, quantifiable which stuff. Which is impossible to quantify. Yeah,
0: don't go with the quantifiable stuff. We want, we want this minutiae that will – that this coach speak that doesn't mean anything. Have these guys even watched football this year, Seth?
1: I'm not even sure. But here's but the thing. and This I, gets I better. This gets know, better. Yeah, go ahead. Finish executive this off. Executive four very well might have been PFT commenter because this guy's to say the guy that says, I love Darnold. He's got poise, toughness, and grit. He gets it done. The kid's a winner. And executive five says he has it, meaning Darnold so <laughs> you've got three guys that say he's got the it factor one guy says he's got the grit factor it gets it done and is a winner i mean there's no substance beyond any of this this is a garbage article point blank <laughs> there's no value in this this is you might as well have talked to somebody who hasn't watched Either guy, because there's no substance behind this. It's just grit and it and toughness, and poise, and it's just a bunch of buzzwords that smart that, that dumb people say to make themselves sound smart. Or that somebody might say, like if you ask me to write a book report on Moby Dick, I might come up with a few words about the, the story because I've heard them from other people. This is so stupid. It's <laughs> insulting. But people eat this crap up. And the funny thing is,
0: and, and it's it's a story I, I tell all the time, but when I was fortunate enough to ask an NFL executive a question uh, um, about Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota when they were coming out, and they had not played. That was the first year of the playoffs too, was it not? Right, right. Yeah, so they had not played in the playoffs yet. And uh, I, I asked this person. And I said, uh, "Have you watched these guys? Who would you take number one?" And and, and I, I you know I, hand, hand to God, this guy said Jameis. He's never lost a college football game. That was the answer. Nothing else mattered. And I think Marcus Mariota had lost like two in his career. <laughs> there was no. There was nothing else. Maybe, maybe that was the polite way of – At least he didn't
1: say grit or it. But, but that's the thing. I think a lot of these guys – So he just basically said the guy's a winner, which is – Right. It's better, in my opinion, at least if you're a winner. Because <laughs> that's K-A, quantifiable. He's tough. He's gritty. <laughs> and it reminded me of this football game plan Emory Hunt had a couple of years ago. I tweeted this commercial. Check my timeline. I retweeted it earlier. But he, he, it was a fake commercial about the combine. It was a, a fake prospect named Tommy Nabisco. And on, on the strength side of things, he said, uh, has, a, has a firm handshake, um, looks the part, you know, his dad, he, he's the son to a father that had a lot of grit. And then under weaknesses, it said passing. <laughs> 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 oh, so this was Blake Bortles. Basically, this was like a, a true NFL scouting report. If you ask somebody in November, <laughs> uh, but
0: yeah, so I mean, I'm sure I've never met Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah. I'm sure he's a, a good dude, and, and he, I don't think this is a reflection
1: on him, as provided he didn't just make this up. And I don't, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that he did, because it would be hard to make something this stupid up.
0: I don't know. PFT commenter has made a career like i said it'll be hard (laughs) (laughs) so but yeah so no no big games this weekend you know we'll we'll, we will get some watched we may do a show next week um to see if we can give you guys something to listen to our next show will be 100 on on thanksgiving uh, or we we may wait because our our next show may be our will be our 100th
1: and we're trying to
0: line up some, uh, some, we should not
1: mail this in. We, we really should, we, we should probably just straightforward say like, look, you know, (laughs) we're not going to do a Thanksgiving show. (laughs) You
0: know what? We'll tweet this out. Don't download this until next week when you're going on your, uh, Thanksgiving road trip and you need, uh, or, or just re-listen to it and re-listen to those in-depth analysis of Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. (laughs) at the quarterback position, but we appreciate you listening as always. We'll be back probably in a couple weeks to talk. Well, a lot of different things with the college football season winding down. um, Check us out on SoundCloud. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on blog talk radio. We're also on Stitcher radio Uh, anywhere. There's
1: a podcast. You can find this podcast. We appreciate it. And Um, Hey, go to draft breakdown right now. I know people are upset. People are upset, Seth, because Draft Breakdowns, a subscription site now. I think it's two bucks a month. You know, this is not to, this is to support us. If You want to listen to us? You can get it for free. You get do the SoundCloud thing, do the iTunes, Blog Talk. It's free. You don't have to pay us. But think about the guys that have been making those Draft Breakdown clips for all these years. Nobody's ever asked you for anything. If you don't want to, if if you're upset and you don't want to pay to watch Draft Prospect, I understand that too right but if you are a fan of the site if you want to continue to support the site keep that in mind and just go ahead um, it's two bucks a month you know I'm not going to tell you to do that I, I know what it's like you know you have to get another subscription you have to create a new username and password I, I get it right But these guys I put together a great library of clips cutups they're putting new stuff up every week so if you want to support those guys trust me, this isn't, this isn't a situation where guys are getting rich off your two bucks a month. Um, You know, if you feel like it's something you want to support by all means, please do. And if you don't, that's cool too, because I know Christmas is coming up and you probably got other stuff to worry about. So just keep that in mind. You can listen to us for free. We're just, uh, we're just doing this for fun and for the retweets and And honestly, if we ever come to your town,
0: the only thing we ask is that you buy us uh, a pitcher of beer. so we had, <laughs> we had multiple pitchers of beer bought for us in Wisconsin. I don't even think most of these people knew who we were, but uh, but our hype man got out in front of us and and we got we, we, we were able to uh, score some pitchers of beer. That's <laughs> it was that- a
1: hospitable town.
0: It is, and that's all we ask for from our listeners um, when it comes to, to donations is, is beer. We don't even want money. We just want All we money. ask
1: for is beer and direct all your complaints to At4Verts.
0: Yes, always direct your complaints about the show. Um, if you're upset about Draft Breakdown being behind a paywall, At4Verts we will get back to you um, in a timely manner. Thanks for listening, as always. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody, and, and, and enjoy the, uh, the college football season.